Welcome back to another episode of the Rankable Podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman of IFL Rank, and I am excited. We have a very special guest. You can see him sitting in his couch with a nice pillow propped up behind him. The legendary, <laughs> the mysterious Lyndon Nelson Allen, aka Darth Autocrat. You may know him from his Twitter exploits and threads and musings uh, under Darth NA. He's an independent internet business and marketing consultant. Got over a decade experience handling SEO, um, social media management, UX, CRO, specializes in handling issues others have have failed to or cause, he can basically talk about anything. And today we're going to talk about modern search intent and query types. Thanks for joining me today, Lyndon. How are you doing, man? I'm doing okay. Thank you very much. I feel honored to have you on here because you, you, you know, there aren't a lot of public speaking and yet you are just a wealth of knowledge. Um, you have been doing this for so long. So, so just, I know I'm going to ask you in rapid fire ranks, but I am just curious, like, what do you love about our our SEO and, and marketing industry? For me, I think it's got to be the breadth and depth, the variety, because it's not just any one thing. And though we often do the same sort of things again and again and again, the priorities change. There's always something new or novel. There's always a surprise, quite often not one you want, but it's there anyway. So yeah, it never gets boring, ever. I I agree one hundred percent because we were just talking before this about you know the fundamentals of SEO and how it is always kind of the same, and yet there are so many nuances. We're dealing with this AI revolution, whether or not that's even a thing, the search generative experience, and one thing that's been interesting is over the years as Google's algorithms become more complex and it understands language and natural language processing more effectively, uh, this this concept around search intent and query types comes up over and over and over again. So kind of from the starting point, from your perspective, what do you think SEOs get wrong about search intent? Um, I think the biggest crime with intent at the moment is how far behind we are and how simple we think it is. Google's been tackling intent for a very long time now. And it's in layers. It's not just, you know, is it informational? Is it commercial? Is it navigational? That's ancient now in our terms. It's over a decade. They were studying that stuff with AltaVista data. Um, it's, you know, your money, your life, local. All of these things are intent-based. They're classification systems, and there's a lot of them. And Google's been refining it year after year after year and doing rather well with it too, to be honest. So how, how do you think Google thinks about intent? Like, is there a way, is there an actual classification system that you think about that in terms of the way that you approach it? Or is it just the bigger black box of Google and you're just kind of, looking at the SERPs and, and trying to deduce and reverse engineer? I would dearly love to have a peek at how they handle intent. Um, I've got no clue what models they use. I don't know what labels they use. We've got some, we've got your money or your life. We've got local. Um, we know they can distinguish between informational and e-commerce. 
uh, knows whether something deserves freshness or not, so they can spot trends. Um, I've got a horrid suspicion they've got quite a hefty set of primary and secondary labels, but how they get them, no idea. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting because we talk a lot about like personas and buyer's journey and the messy middle and micro actions and all of that. Do you think about intent in the context of kind of signals and factors and rankings? Like, is that how you think about intent or is it really just the linguistic, like fundamental, like what does this mean? What does the person want to do from this search query, which obviously gets more complicated the longer the query is and the more complex the search, the 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 actual, uh, not keywords, the query is? Um, I view it from both. I come from the marketing side, which is more to do with the journey, the funnel or the filter system or whatever label people want to give it, which is people are trying to perform a task. They've got a goal. They want to achieve it. Your job is to provide something that helps with that. Um, but then you've got to help Google see and recognize that what you're producing is for that intent. You know, and there's 101 different queries. There's so many different ways to say the same thing. And Google have had to invest in trying to group and cluster queries into little sets so that they know everything that says something akin to this is looking for pages like that. Well, to that point, I mean, a single word can change the intent of a query. To what extent are do you recommend for SEOs to try to, you know, we talk about topic clusters and, and you know, the relation topical authority to try to answer specific queries all within one piece of content versus diversifying and becoming more granular, especially as queries become more, you know, granular in in what they're looking for it's uh levels of specificity i can never say that word it's how exact the query is there are open questions closed questions there are macro and micro being able to identify the level and depth that they are seeking you produce content to match that level and it's not always easy to discern you know, if you look at things like people also ask, some of those questions are so horrendous. <laughs> it, it's that their grammar is terrible. Sometimes it's not even in English, um, but you can see what it is they're trying to get to. And because of how shallow and simple the question is, you can tell it's not going to be a 5,000 word page. It, it doesn't warrant it. But this is where Google fails, is they do tend to reward broader, deeper, more data-filled content over something that is an exact match. If you search for how to boil an egg, you should only really see 300 words. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. It's boiling an egg. Google will not rank a 300-page piece. It, it, it's just, you know, 300 words. They just won't do it. Why, why is that? Like, why do you think, you know, 
what in these obvious examples, like I, the thing that, that was coming to my mind the other day was like the search generative experience. I was playing around with it. And obviously there's different content types, right? There's, there's videos, there's images, there's text, you know, sometimes what we see in the search generative experience is like, it's all text-based. So, but where like an image or a video is a better example than the text. And that's going to eliminate that. Like, why do you think Google doesn't provide the best answer for these queries? Part of it is, it is subjective. It's, I hate to say it, but though there are patterns, though there are qualities that we can see, and there are things to indicate if something is probably going to be garbage or not, what suits you when you search for X and what suits me when I search for the same X may differ based on our experiences, our level, our language, the amount of time we have. You know, if you're in a rush, you don't want a two and a half thousand word doc. You just want that 30 second clip. You you just want a YouTube short. You, so it is that there is a lot of variation in what is suitable and what is going to satisfy. Um, you've also got issues regarding things like topicality. Google tries to rank based on multiple factors. And sometimes what it's working with lead it to the wrong conclusion or will suggest a resource as being more popular and relevant when it isn't. So I don't envy the battle they face. I just wish they could do it better. Oh, no. I mean, it's an impossible situation. And when, when as an SEO, you're trying to solve this, you know, you, you were talking recently on Twitter about generative AI and how, you know, there's a quantity and quality play, you know, SEO feels more and more yes. holistic. Like you have to get all of the pieces, right. Which makes it very difficult to even find a starting point when you're responsible for planning everything out. And yet until you get most of the pieces together, you're not going to see the value and the traffic and the the whole marketing plan come together until it's all there or would you disagree with that sentiment um, in the first place no i don't disagree with it it's i think my favorite phrase has become seo is relative you do need all the pieces in the puzzle to win and keep winning but to actually get ranking and get onto the first page and it depends what other people have done and how they've done it so sometimes if you imagine it's a hundred piece puzzle to beat the competition you might only need to have 20 pieces and have them in two sets of 10 because the competition sucks in other cases you need all 100 pieces and you need them up the right way in the right slots because otherwise you haven't got a leg to stand on against them it's really is a case by case basis and it's not always one site that dominates either anymore so depending on how it's phrased you may see different competitors it it makes it so tricky too because there's all and this has come up i've you know of course my i've caught across my seo career is that that conversation around copying reverse engineering what you're seeing versus creating original content that in theory is better and should be rewarded, but all isn't always incentivized. How do you think about that as an SEO? Do you always look to 
basically use the existing winners as a framework and then build upon it? Or do you think there's value to go in a completely original direction, even if you know that better serves intent? It's, I generally favor emulation and replication. For me, it's, it's human nature. And the parallel I would draw would be art. I did art at school. I think almost all of us did. And, you know, you learn to use paints and pencils and pastels and clay. And, you know, you, you know how to draw an apple and a vase of flowers. And then you get introduced to the bull. And it's like, what the hell is that? <laughs> what six-year-old managed to put that into an art gallery? And it's like, okay, it's innovation. It's different. It stands out. It doesn't follow the norm. How long did it take before that style of art was actually recognised and deemed as art and not somebody just scribbling when they should have been taking their meds? It's, you know, it's so you have to look at the trend, what Google is responding to. And Google is meant to be responding to what its users are responding to. So there right. is a strong logic to following what's already there if which you is, have the resources there is right. no reason why you can't do both which which is interesting too because then there's the other you know side of the coin which is how frequently search intent changes and we're already seeing more volatility in search engine results on a day-to-day -day basis. Like, like it's not even just core, we're seeing more and more fluctuations. Is that something that you're witnessing? And, and how do you think, like, why do you think that might be? I've always had the opinion that Google tests, mm. not just layouts, but which results seem to please people. Um, it's... Something some people don't grasp is you're going to get an average ranking. Google will look at your site, your content, see how often you produce and where you generally rank. When you produce new content, most of the time, you will start off around your average ranking point. You will then rise or fall, depending on how GCs people responding be it searchers clicking and staying or bouncing back out and clicking something else or link acquisition rates or which domains link to it and which don't. I don't know how Google are discerning it, but they do decide. And then your rankings will match their decision. Um, I'm of the opinion they do it far more often, far faster now. It's the only way that they can sort through the huge quantity because otherwise you end up with a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're in position one, you're going to stay there because people are lazy. They'll do a search, they'll click it, they'll read it, they'll go off. If they're doing research, they'll take the top three, they'll link to the top three. Position four downwards hardly ever gets a new link because that's how humans are. So Google's got to find ways to combat that especially because with like depending on the query and evergreen content where not the information really isn't changing if something works why change it like how likely yeah. are you, you to see something that comes up you know that that's even better it's it's really interesting in the direction that google is going to do you think 
results have improved? Like, do you think Google, cause like a couple of years ago, even the past year, there's been a lot of criticisms of Google like that people adding Reddit at the end of their queries or using TikTok and Google's results weren't good anymore. What's your perspective? Personally, mm -hmm. they are far, far better now at reducing spam. You hardly ever see some of the garbage you used to in like 2010. Um, but something broke in 2019 2018 um i do a lot of list searches because i do things like nlp i i need big lists of things and to be honest it's a bit of a character flaw as well i like lists <laughs> uh spreadsheets you name it I, I get all excited and bounce up and down in my chair over it if you type list of and then three words that you would expect to appear in a list, mm -hmm. nine times out of 10, Google SERPs will not give you a list of. It will give you topically focused pages on one out of those three words. And it drives me up the wall. The same with code searches. If you are trying to find a way to do something and you enter in a couple of function names, that you know will be involved in that process, Google will pick one and give you 25 or more results focusing on that flaming function and ignoring everything else you put in that query. That's familiar to what the LLM issues that people run into where it's like, you know, you know, we were just talking about mid journey before this and how to some extent you need to narrow down your query. And, and we're always trained by Google in the way that we do our searches anyway do you think we're being yeah. retrained at this point i think google is if you look at how the serps have become busier and how google is pushing things like people also ask or the pills at the top which yeah. ties back to intent yeah. um google seems to be going well here's a cheese board pick a cheese if you don't like one of these here's another cheese board pick one of these and, and it's expecting us to actually go through the selection which is i'm assuming there to help google improve identify what cheeses people want and we'll start putting them on the first platter rather than the second or third um so it, it's got to learn and the only way it can be taught is to be given instructions from observing well, what we that's do fair that's i mean it's one thing that i that i will beat the drum on that i think strongly of is that you know in this world of ai as we're moving forward one thing i've learned is like people need to continue to learn to communicate more effectively and provide more context and i feel like that's what google tries to do is like you're not giving me enough context to give you the result that you want so i'm gonna like force feed you to point me in the right direction with the whole like refine or broaden your search because you're not doing it. Eventually, I wonder if our, if out like society, if people's communication will improve or continue to just deteriorate because we expect Google to be psychic or any search engine, you know? It's, to be honest, I think that's actually fair. Um, if you do common searches, Things like when X is on or when do X play or what were the scores on? Google's phenomenal. There is no beating it. It's fast. It's accurate. 
it's picking stuff up sometimes in what seems to be a matter of seconds. As soon as you step away from the common mass stuff, though, and you enter the sort of like 25% or worse, Google starts to suck because it doesn't have the data. So all the way that we phrase queries, it's insufficient. We need a better way to communicate to G. For the common stuff, it has so much. It can pair it up and go, oh, well, when people say it this way or that way, they actually mean this. They've got enough data to learn from. So we're being taught and Google is learning while teaching us. And it goes around in cycles. Yeah, it, and, and that makes sense. Us, I don't know, because looking at Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> some people just can't communicate, and I include myself in that list. <laughs> yeah, we can all we can all improve. I think it's it's very interesting in the sense of like, do you think we have? So you mentioned there's like an overwhelming amount of common question like content for common queries but not for the specifics do you think we just lack quality content at the longer tail level like people complain that the the web is going to be overwhelmed with generic ai content i always make the argument that it's like we don't have a overwhelming content problem we have a, a content quality problem on the web yes it, it's always been something that the googlers have said is they can't rank it if it doesn't exist mm -hmm. if there is not an answer they will try to give you a piece that seems relevant but at the end of the day if it doesn't exist or they haven't found it they can't give it to you um then you've got the whole seos made a mess of it issue which is sometimes the stuff that ranks really shouldn't but mm -hmm. it's ranking because it's been optimized whereas the good answer you want was written by someone without a clue on a site built by someone without a clue. So it's never going to rank high, no matter what. Um, so yeah, I'll quite often end up on page four or five of the SERPs to find what I need because I just can't figure out what the hell Google's doing <laughs> and it can't well, seem to understand what I'm asking. Seriously, it's and it's almost it almost raises the question of what do you think is more likely? Do you think it's more likely that you know, Bard and these developmental LLMs will be able to produce better long tail content before people produce enough of the long tail. Like it, like we get to a point where it's so sophisticated. If you want like a personalized, like how do I grow, you know, cucumbers in Virginia when I've got a dog barking at me? Like I feel I'm more likely to have Google in the future be able to create that content. It, like and actually have it be factual then some person write that specific a level of personalized content well this is where it it gets murky right. um google has a thing for suggesting content topics google has been pushing on and off over the past couple of years um suggestions for people to write about so google knows that there's a need that there's a void for certain things and has been prompting us to produce it it's kind of like the reverse of an llm the machine's <laughs> telling the humans what to write rather than the humans asking the machine um for them to do it it has to exist right. in one form or another either as content that it can basically 
steal and paraphrase, or data that it has extracted and is able to associate and then piece together. But either way, yeah, they're going to do it. <laughs> I know. And, and and the other thing is like, obviously there's a certain amount of text out there, but it's so easy for people to generate audio and video. And as Google, you know, continues to develop, like, you know, it's, it's bird and mom models, like it's going to be able to take all of that content and infuse it. Like, I don't think we're going to run out of original content anytime soon. That's just my opinion. It's creativity versus information. Mm. The machines can be creative so long as it is within a pattern. Even randomization still has general patterns that there are laws for which integers are more likely to show up in a distribution. It's just one of those things. Um, humans are more creative than machines. But are hopefully we always will be creative answers. <laughs> yes. It's the question. And more often than not, you know, you can see it. Informational queries are the largest quantity. People want the data. And that's what Google specializes in. I know. I, I don't want to go down the whole route of perspectives and, and that whole, you know, I, and I know it's not even the first time that Google's tried to get into that, but to your point, it's like people for the most part, just want to know the answer. Like they don't, you know, if you think recipes, they just want the recipe to, or how to boil an egg. You don't want the whole story about your grandma and how she boiled <laughs> eggs when you were little. It's like, I hate those. I really, really hate those. But I will, I will say, and this is one thing I saw, you know, I, I want to speak to you before we jump into rapid rankings, is you mentioned your love of lists. I've seen a lot of people, SEO, say that they think that SGE and that, you know, the way that Google is going to provide this generative text for top level queries is going to remove the list and kill affiliates as well in e-commerce. I think it's the opposite. I think Google will continue to incentivize lists because they pull that's where they get the data from to your point like they need those lists in order to synthesize their own content um it's the next evolution of the content economy google mm. has basically pushed from produce content that you know will rank to people are searching for all this stuff you need to be producing more content because we use more of your content to rank other pages so <laughs> it, it's the case of, you know, whereas before you could get away with a 200 page site, now you will be beaten by someone with a thousand page site, even if their quality is lower. It, it's just one of those things. It's the way that their system weighs things. You, you can't beat it. Bigger sites will win more often than not. The next stage after farming and growing content is the slaughterhouse. Okay. And it is Google will kill off different sectors to a fair degree. It will always keep a stock of them, but it's like animal husbandry. It's we don't need all of them, so we'll cull some of them and keep the better bred ones, which is a really horrid, morbid way to look at it. But that's what they're doing. And it's not the first time they've done it. They did it with hotels. They did it with comparison sites and credit cards. Um, though, to be fair, when you look at some of the niche sites and the affiliates, you can kind of sit back and go, well, yeah, some of you do deserve it. Um, but some of them don't. Some of them have worked hard 
and they've invested years of time and effort producing good quality content and Google still hammered them. Yep. I remember so, the travel industry getting crushed, especially when they purchased, when they started rolled out flights and they yeah. started putting so much more of the information in the you know, kind of Google business profiles and the knowledge graph or knowledge panels on the side when it comes to hot. Yeah. Hospitality was crushed. And I wouldn't be surprised if it, it'll be interesting to see if Google can crack the e-commerce nut. Uh, Kevin Indig was talking about that recently with Google trying to add more transactions in yep. the actual SERPs. And that's an inevitability, but will they get it right? See, I called it because when Kevin Indig made the tweets about it a couple of weeks ago, I said in response to his thread that Google will start putting direct purchases in and they're going to scrape it. They're not going to rely on feeds. They'll just start gathering it up and it will go the same route as Amazon with a merchant base of you can get this from here, 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 or here. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're doing it. And to be honest, I think this is the last time they're going to do it because they're going to get it right. They are far more willing to alter how the SERPs look. Whereas in previous attempts, they always kind tried to stick to the 10. They didn't juggle the SERPs up so much. Now they just don't care. They've realized people don't care if it's busy, so long as it's got the content in they want and they can see the images of the products. And honestly, I mean, that's one of their best plays, in my opinion, to counteract any impact of ad revenue from the SGE they have to roll out. They got to find more ways to get revenue yep. from the SERPs, and I can imagine that would be a way to do it. Okay, dude, that we could we could go a whole other like, conversation about e-commerce, but I do want to wrap it up and dive into some rapid-fire rankings. Are you ready for that? No, but go on. <laughs> Now, okay, little dude on the couch and the pillow. Here we go, Mr. Darth Autocrat, aka Linden, putting some music on and the clock. Starting off, rank your top three of something, anything that you love the most. Uh, my kids, coconut. And I can't remember what my other answer was going to be. Supernatural. I love the show Supernatural. Oh, and it's not necessarily be in that order. But don't tell my kids that. <laughs> Hilariously off on amazing. Okay, rank your best SEO marketing win. Uh, strangely enough, it's not actually an SEO win. It's a Google Ads win of 16 plus percent click-through rate on ads. And I've been maintaining that for four years plus. Holy crap, that's amazing. Okay, rank your top three SEO tools. Ooh, Google Search Console, SEMrush, PHP and MySQL, because some stuff you've just got to do yourself. Wow, respect. Rank your best SEO trick or tactic. Building out content stacks and covering the various stages of the funnel and journey. Okay, that we did touch on this a little earlier, but rank what you love most about SEO. Uh, aside from winning, it, it's being able to apply uh, knowledge, skills, and experience from the various jobs I've done to various parts of the process, from management and customer relations through to actual hand coding and supplying devs or clients with bits and pieces they need. 
That's a great compliment to your previous answer. Rank your best learning SEO resource. Um, I'd say it's tied. Uh, you've got to have Google search their webmaster central, but alongside that, you've got to actually do it. If you don't do it, you do not actually learn. I think that that's the, the best kind of life value there. Okay. This is probably the most unfair question, but rank the top one to three SEOs or marketers that you most admire, respect, and look up to. I spent a whole 10 minutes on this. Um, Ogilvy is the first, without a doubt. Um, marketing, advertising, psychology, so much there. And I know it wasn't just him. There were plenty of others with him doing it. But he's the name that always sticks in my head. And I apply a lot of it. Uh, after that, I've got two SEOs that I basically teethed on, which would be Sean Anderson, who's Hobo Web, and Anne Smarty. I, I basically grew up reading their stuff when I first started out. And I wouldn't have got anywhere near where I got without them. I adore Anne. She is the nicest person too. Okay. And finally, rank your number one cause or charity that you want to promote. This one, I, I didn't even hesitate. It, it's women in tech. It, it's the best movement I have ever seen in our sector and has done so much good and faced so much pushback and they've just kept going incredible it, it just, and it continues to get better what Arisa's has done i yeah it's it's tough being a guy in the sense that i wish i could participate but i respect the fact that you know like what they have built is so important and crucial to our industry jealous i don't yeah. really suffer from jealousy or fear of missing out it, it's i can take most things or leave it that yeah i i'm kicking myself that i was born the wrong gender it sucks <laughs> So much FOMO. I love it. Thank you so much, Lynn. This has been an awesome conversation. It is a privilege to have you on and just talk with you about all the things that go on in that helmeted brain of yours. Thank you for joining <laughs> me. If, if someone wants to find you online, where's the best way to find to get in touch? Probably Twitter. It's uh, I try to keep my finger in Twitter so I can check the pulse and see what's trending and be social um and twitter has shown me that there is actually a whole wealth of knowledge out there because i'm not a big fan of the names in the industry per se but i have found so many smart and clever people that have tiny followings it's i, gotta, yeah, I was just gonna say i gotta ask before we go do you what do you predict with with how what's the the drama and story of twitter over the last you know six months year whatever do you think it'll continue to be okay as long as the people are on there or do you see it people um, actually leaving? so long as people don't jump ship i don't think the muppet in charge will kill it it's if people leave it'll die it's that simple really um mm -hmm. it's the community that keeps it going the more people that leave the quicker it will pass, which would be a shame because that would be the second platform, a Google. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, Google never got social right. I do. Um, you, do you think Google will ever try to do social again the way they yeah, did with Plus? To them, it's all toys. It, it's they're not really invested in it the same way we are, and they don't care. 
that people spent hours and hours and hours building up and having relations and investing time and effort to produce content and then axing it. it it's to them, it's all just fiddly little gimmicks in the ivory tower. They don't care at all. So they'll do it. Whether, so uh, whether we'll go back to it, though, because I think a lot of people got burned. And it's like after Orca and Wave and God knows what else Google fiddled with, I think people are finally tired of it. We we will see. I I, I don't know. I okay. I got to ask you one more question because obviously <laughs> we could keep talking forever. But you keep sparking. Do you think Google will always be the king of the hill, the top of the tower when it comes to search, or do you think it will ever be dethroned? Um. I think Google could split and then that they could have a sub search that they could honestly have an AI based site and a normal traditional um, and they could compete against themselves. Um, but otherwise, no, I think they're king of the hill that they got far too much of a head and no one can stand that trying to take a piece of that market is just so painful. Just look at Bing. They can't do it. And they've got all the money in the world. They just need a sliver to make billions, and that's that's all they'll ever get a sliver. Okay, thank you. This is awesome. I genuinely appreciate you joining me. Um, for everyone else, we will catch you next week for another episode of the Rankable Podcast. My name is Garrett Sussman of Eiffel Rank. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.